back to another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Bujrutia. We are here to preview what I think is a massive game for Miami season, for probably the Coastal Division race. Um, still plenty of games to be played in that regard, but... I do think the winner of this game will have kind of a leg up on the rest of the division. Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into it here in a little bit. First, Gabby, I, I think it's, it's good to touch on recruiting here on the front end, specifically just who is, it, who is expected to be at this North Carolina game this weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a pretty a pretty loaded visitors list. Um, you know, six of Miami's commits in that number 10 ranked class are going to be there. Uh, so Francis Malagoa is probably the headliner, the five-star offensive lineman. Um, you got Jaden Wayne out of IMG Academy also. Uh, Riley Williams, the top 247 tight end. You got Antonio Tripp. So those four from IMG making their way down. Uh, same deal for... Uh, Nathaniel Joseph, who's been at every home game. It sounds to me like he's going to be at every home game. And uh, Frankie Tinelau, the offensive lineman at uh, at LaSalle, uh, you know, not far from Miami's campus. So those six commits are going to be um, in the stands. And then probably the a, a big uncommitted uh, 2023 is Ruben Bain. He's going to make his way back to Hard Rock Stadium. That's obviously a really big deal because, uh, you know, Ruben Bain is the top uncommitted prospect in Dade County. I think it's becoming as obvious as ever that he is a big, big time uh, prospect along the defensive line. I think people in Miami think he's, uh, you know, probably if not if the not. top priority, you know, one of the top priorities on, uh, you know, as a, as a defensive end. Uh, so definitely a lot of seniors coming in and then a, a, honestly a pretty loaded junior slate. Also uh, you got uh, a couple 2024, five stars, David stone on the defensive line, another IMG Academy product. Um, Justin Scott, who is out of Chicago, St. Ignatius, who's a composite five-star, a top 115 or so player uh, for 24-7 sports. Uh, then you got five-star cornerback Desmond Ricks, who's going to make his way down. I think that's a really, really big deal, too. Um, he's a, he's at IMG Academy. And then another defensive lineman out of IMG Academy, uh, Ernest Willer, who I'm a big fan of. And then uh, Miami Legacy Booker Pickett, who's like a, to a top 70 overall player in the class of 2024. So uh, no shortage of big names going to be at Hard Rock Stadium. I also expect that there will be others in attendance as well. Some that maybe, you know, we're not really going to talk about publicly, but uh, I do expect them. I, I do expect, uh, I, I know the visitors list is better, is bigger than the one that I'm sort of presenting to you now, but this is a recruiting process. Um, you know, it is a secretive process at times, a, yeah. a, a quiet process. And uh I think Miami's yeah, exactly. You're kind of playing the game there. You don't want to sound off too many alarms with uh, some of these other schools that some of these prospects may be committed to. Uh, I mean, I, I like that approach. I think that's the right approach. I think it worked with their pursuit of Nathaniel Ray Ray Joseph when he was committed to Clemson and uh, just got to let it play out. But, you know, definitely a huge opportunity uh, ahead, uh, you know, when Miami hosts North Carolina on Saturday. All right. That is good stuff from Gabby. Uh, want to say here too it looks like my internet connections being a little unstable but we are going to power through and try and get this podcast done regardless of those elements 
Uh, Gabby, with this being the first uh, ACC game of the year for Miami, I kind of want to have a little Coastal Division talk with you. Uh, Miami is the last team in the conference to play a conference game. Um, and, and quite frankly, just the early returns on the Coastal Division, it looks it still looks winnable for Miami, even though, you know, the Middle Tennessee State result is certainly uh, one that will shake your confidence in that. Um, but Pittsburgh's coming off a loss to Georgia Tech last week. Um, there are three unbeaten teams. Duke, North Carolina are both 1-0, and and Miami is still unbeaten, of course, being at 0-0. Zero and zero. I think it's still worth noting that Las Vegas views Miami as the Coastal Division favorite still. I think it's still worth noting that analytics like the ESPN Football Power Index still view Miami as the Coastal Division favorite. Um, and I think it's worth saying, too, that if Miami can win this week, it's early, but you might be willing to say that they're kind of in the driver's seat. Still a lot of ball to be played, but beating North Carolina this week would certainly be a big step in trying to win the Coastal Division. I'm curious, Gabby, what's your early take on the Coastal Division right now? Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's like one of the most wide open divisions on like a year to year basis. Like, I feel like every year it's just kind of like madness and you know, really, I mean, you're kind of looking around and I don't see a, a powerhouse on the coastal side and, you know, just kind of you spitting out the analytics of, you know, what maybe Vegas and, uh, you know, some some models kind of see for Miami. Like, I mean, I again, just based on what we've seen through a few weeks, like, do I think Miami is in is is currently in its current state in position to you know, come out of their side of the conference, like, you know, maybe not, obviously you're going to have to beat a lot, a lot of teams that are better than middle Tennessee state, but, you know, I don't think that, you know, the coastal is this big, bad, you know, side of the division. Again, I think every year it's winnable. Um, I do think that there's an opportunity here, right? You kind of, you know, I feel like there's an opportunity to just kind of like cut the season in half and just kind of be like, this is who we were for the first four weeks. We've had two weeks to kind of resettle in, kind of readjust, uh, you know, find our new identity and kind of have an opportunity to just kind of have a clean slate, right? And move it forward. So, you know, I don't think the Coastal is, is very good. I don't think Virginia Tech's very good. Um, I mean, we kind of talk about this. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just kind of look around also Virginia Tech. Uh, Virginia is just not all that. Um, Duke is like, I don't know, a contender pit lost to Georgia tech. Like it's just kind of madness already. So, I mean, I do think the conference is winnable. Um, I mean, the, the this side of the conference is winnable for Miami. And I do think that this game is going to go a long, long way in, um, you know, potentially determining that I think whoever comes out of this, like you mentioned is, uh, is definitely going to be viewed as the favorite in the coastal for, for some time. So the early contenders in my mind right now, I think North Carolina, I think Miami's still there. I think Pittsburgh should still be thought of as a contender. And, you know, I do think Duke is kind of a dark horse that can make things a little bit interesting um, because they do look much improved uh, from a year ago. Now, do I trust them to straight up win the Coastal? I think a lot has to go their way to do that. I think one thing to look at as well when it comes to um, sizing up the coastal race, the cross division matchup, K 
can play a big role in who wins. Yeah. And Miami's cross matchup this year is tough. Uh, Florida State is much improved. Quite frankly, you know, fans of our podcast will not like hearing this, but I do think if Miami and Florida State played tomorrow, Florida State would probably win that game. Um, now, will that be the case a month from now? Still a lot of ball left to be played, and Miami, you know, good teams that are well-coached get better as the season progresses. So we'll see if Miami can make up that ground and even emerge as a better team than Florida State between now and then. The other Atlantic uh, matchup for Miami, of course, is Clemson, who looks like the real deal college football playoff contending type of Clemson. They're not perfect, um, but they're getting good enough quarterback play, seem to be finding some answers there. And their defense is elite, so that's that's a tough two game cross. Yeah, you look at you look at North Carolina. Yeah, they they play Wake and NC State. That's tough. Pittsburgh plays Louisville and Syracuse. That's favorable. Syracuse is better than they were than they've been in recent years. Louisville, kind of an up and down team that can pop a team every now and then, but can also play really poorly one week. Um, after that Duke's cross is Boston college and wake forest. So of the cross division coastal teams that are kind of contenders, I think Miami and North Carolina have the toughest road. Um, but yes, I'm with you. I think this is a huge game for Miami, not only in just in terms of like trying to win the coastal, it's a huge game in terms of the trajectory of the season. I think you look at how this schedule lays out. Um, it's an opportunity for Miami to get some momentum going in this month of October, because now again, after that middle Tennessee state game, nothing's a given with this team uh, from week to week. But if Miami can somehow find a way to beat North Carolina this week, the rest of this October schedule is fairly favorable. and you would think Miami would be able to generate some momentum going into that Florida state game in November. What do you think? Yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited about just like, again, just like the opportunity of, of what this North Carolina game kind of means and, you know, just how it can kind of like, we like, again, just kind of alluding to what you said, just kind of how it can, we're, we're going to, I feel like we're going to learn a lot about this team. Not that we haven't learned, you know, enough already, but you know, I, I do think that there's a chance for them to kind of just like rewrite their story. And uh, yeah. you know, that's why I'm excited about what they, how they come out looking. I think there's a lot of reasons to be motivated for this Miami team. Um, kind of hoping that we're not going to see that Miami team that just kind of hangs their head and kind of just accepts what happened here over the past, you know, three, four weeks. And and just lets that kind of consume them or become their identity. I hope that they really do uh, just kind of, you know, flip the script and be like, all right, this is, this is a fresh start. We're zero and zero in conference play. And again, no one wants to, it's not sexy to talk about coming out of the coal store or anything like that, but this is a big, big uh, first step. And honestly, uh, you know, in terms of coastal opponents, I think uh, North Carolina might be, uh, you know, the scariest. So I think there's a lot, lot to kind of get excited about and uh, and get up for. And, you know, I do think the opportunity in front of them is massive because I do think that, you know, you went, you you beat North Carolina 
on Saturday. And I do think it sets a new tone. And I, I think that, yeah. you know, it, it it's going to kind of roll over. And I think that it can kind of potentially be the spark that leads to Miami, at least, you know, potentially accomplishing some of their goals in 2022, even if it didn't necessarily start off the right way. We've seen other teams bounce back from bad losses. Um, but you know, it's, it's going to take, uh, something and North Carolina is definitely the type of opponent that can keep that losing streak going and dig Miami a little bit further into a ditch. So, um, a lot to see, a lot to learn about Miami and how they're going to sort of respond to, uh, you know, some of the adversity that they've faced, uh, so far this season. All right. Let's talk about North Carolina, just some of our thoughts on them as a team. So Miami is riding a three game losing streak against the Tar Heels going into this game, two of which were one score games, one of which was a game like one of the so one of the other three losses, of course, is 60 to 26 is a game I still can't believe happened. Um, but we all know this Mac Brown, North Carolina um, era is about scoring points and, you know, the defense is good enough uh, to pour, depending on the year. So um, let's start with the offensive side here, Gabby. And and I think the, the place to start with is quarterback Drake May. Um, the stats are scary. You watch, you watch him play in the games, uh, first five games this year. He looks the part. What are your early... Or just what are your impressions of him from what you've seen so far this year? Yeah, I mean, just I remember watching Sam Howell as a freshman and thinking like, oh, man, I can't wait for him to kind of go three and out at North Carolina because then we won't have to face him anymore. And then it's just like, you know, I thought he was really talented. And then it's just like, all right, just kind of easy transition into Drake May, who I think is 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 more talented. Um, I mean, I think the just his I don't know, man, I think he's I think he's awesome. Just I, I mean, watching just watching him throw the ball, uh, where the ball placement, um, you know, just kind of how naturally gifted he is with that arm talent. Um, I feel like he kind of understands this offense really well, knows where to go with it. Um, I mean, I think he's the real, real deal. And, uh, you know, obviously a long way to go in his career, but I think that this is a, a potential NFL arm in the ACC kind of getting his college career started. And, you know, I think that he is, you kind of look at what Miami's not good at and uh, what they kind of struggled with against middle Tennessee, uh, the long ball, the, the explosive play, giving up those deep balls on the outside. I mean, Drake may is absolutely going to take his shots and he's done a good job connecting on some of those balls. And that's why the numbers look the, the way that they do. I mean, I don't think there's any denying that Drake may is, is 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 legit is as legitimate of a quarterback as you'll find in college football today and you know so i i'm excited to watch him play in person but uh the test for that miami secondary is, is going to be real and he's athletic i mean he's not a statue in the pocket he can move you can bring pressure and he can evade it and then he can kind of beat you with his legs for you know six seven eight yards and uh you know to obviously make good decisions to slide and all that so i think he's a i think he's an all-around impressive quarterback uh, kind of gave me some Kenny Pickett vibes and that's, I'm talking about veteran Kenny Pickett with the way he kind of operates in the pocket slides out of it and is able to make some throws, you know, just kind of move in the pocket. I mean, it, it's, he's an extremely impressive talent. And, uh, you know, I do think he has some weapons on the outside of him that, that make him even more dangerous. What scares you most about him? Because I, I do think he's a well-rounded quarterback. What, what's the one thing that scares you most that he brings to the, to the game? 
I mean, I think he can extend plays because again, I think he can evade pressure. And I think when he when you do that, if Miami's not getting home with uh, you know, their natural pressure, he's able to miss that. You know, he he has a little bit more time to, you know, find his guy downfield. And I also think he's just super precise with his deep ball. I think he could definitely, you know, put it up there. He gives his guys chances to make plays. And I do think those outside weapons have, you know, can come down with it. Um, so I, I think a lot of what he does is is really impressive, but really the way he can kind of just slice you up. Um, give himself some extra time and then just kind of beat you with that arm is, 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 is a lot, man. I mean, I think he's really, really good. I think he's as good of a quarterback as Miami's seen here in recent years. Yeah. He, he's a frustrating guy to go against for a defense because he's one of those quarterbacks that a defense can do everything right. And yeah. it'll still torch you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Cause he is very good under pressure. I looked up the advanced stats from pro football focus on his, uh, production under pressure. And according to them this year, when he's under pressure, he's thrown for 420 yards, which is the most in the country amongst power five quarterbacks. And he's tossed seven touchdowns, which is the most in the country amongst power five quarterbacks against zero interceptions. Um, and he's completing 49% of his attempts under pressure, which is a solid mark. It's not it's not amazing, but it's 49% under pressures. Most quarterbacks would take that all day. Um, and, you know, NFL quarterbacks, they can throw on the run. They can operate under pressure. And Drake May is that type of guy. Um, you mentioned Kenny Pickett. You know, his size and the way he can throw on the run uh, and operate under pressure. To me, like, if we're making NFL comparisons, there's some... Uh, Justin Herbert slash Josh Allen type ability there as well, I think. Um, and then you mentioned his deep shot. You know, the advanced stats uh, for that are scary as well. He's completed 18 of 29 deep shots this year for 567 yards with eight touchdowns and one, one interception. Second most deep ball yards amongst Power 5 quarterbacks in the country. And he's thrown for the most deep ball touchdowns in the country amongst power five quarterbacks. So, um, yeah, he's special. He's good. And Kevin Steele will have his hands full this week trying to defend him. How about his personnel that he's throwing to? I think one thing that stands out to me, Gabby, about this group is there's more of a variety of them compared to recent North Carolina years where you know, they've either had one guy in Josh Downs last year that was getting the bulk of the targets, or a couple years ago, they had Deami Brown and Daz Newsom. This year, they have eight pass catchers with over 100 yards, nine pass catchers with at least one touchdown. And I think part of that is because two, their two best receivers, Josh Downs and Antoine Green, have been injured and missed some games at some point in this season. So that's provided opportunities to other players, um, but they're back fully healthy now. Um, and that duo is scary. Of course, Josh Downs working from the slot, Antoine Green, kind of their deep ball guy. I think he's averaging like close to 30 yards a catch. And then a different thing this year is their tight ends. They got three tight ends this year that each have between 143 receiving yards and 237 receiving yards. And they have totaled six touchdowns. So, down in the red zone, those tight ends have been very effective for North Carolina's offense. 
And North Carolina's red zone offense is one of the best in the country this year in terms of touchdown efficiency. And those tight ends are a big reason why, because last year, North Carolina's red zone touchdown efficiency wasn't all that great. Um, and this year, you know, the combination of Drake May and the tight ends have really boosted that red zone production. What's your thoughts on the pass catchers in general North Carolina has? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like what you said. I think there's just more of them, right? I feel like last year, uh, you know, when Miami kind of matched up with them, it was almost like force feeding Josh Downs. And if, if he wasn't there, there just didn't seem to be many options. I mean, there is a plethora of, of guys that they go to. Um, Antoine Green was super has I mean, has been super impressive in the two games that he plays that he's played already has three touchdowns and you know, are, are already over 200 yards in just those few games. Josh Downs has only played in three games, but he's already leading the team in receptions by six receptions, has five more targets than anyone else. So Josh Downs is still the guy. He also has four touchdowns. Um, you know, he's. I feel like he's still kind of like the guy that they they go to and kind of rely on. But then you have those two tight ends, Kamari Morales, Bryson Nesbitt, and, um, and J- John Copenhaver, who also get it done. I mean, I think there's just... It's not sort of the one mouth to feed. If you can stop Josh Downs, you know, you're kind of stopping that offense. It seems like they have different guys that they can go to, different ways that they can beat you. Antoine Green's one of those deep threats. J.J. Jones in that Notre Dame game made a big a big play downfield where he kind of just went over the top of a guy, came down with the score. So they have different ways that they can kind of get you. I mean, this is an impressive group of pass catchers um, really all around. And you know, I think that this is this is a dangerous North Carolina offense that if they get rolling and uh, Drake may, you know, kind of starts hitting them. I mean, it, it it gets going really quickly and obviously a variety of ways that they can kind of do it. So, um, you know, I think Drake may has no shortage of, of weapons that he can kind of spray the ball around to. And I think that's a part of why he's been so successful. And I'm sure some of those receivers are thanking him, too, for kind of elevating them. I think may obviously has a lot to do with the success, but doing a great job spreading the ball around and. And, uh, you know, making, you know, really just keeping defenses honest because you have to factor in for all these different guys that they that they can go to. Yeah, I think it's a matter of time. Like, I think it's a given that North Carolina is going to get going with the passing game. I think the question is, can they be a balanced offense, you know, including a run game that has to be respected? And I'm not sure about that watching their rushing attack this year. It seems like they're still trying to get a feel for what they got there. Um, you know, it it started with a Marion Hampton, true freshman running back, six foot two twenty type guy. And in recent weeks, they've kind of given Caleb Hood a little bit more looks as well. He's similar, six foot two twenty type guy. Um, I think they're solid backs. They're just not the level that we've seen. Of course. In 2020, those guys were ridiculous, Javante Williams and Michael Carter. But even last year's back, Ty Chandler, I think, is a cut above what we've seen so far yep. from North Carolina's backs this year. And and you look, too, like Drake May honestly has to put a lot on his back with the run game in terms of scrambles. And uh, there are some design runs there as well. He's second on the team in rushing with 255 yards and three touchdowns. But Do you get the same vibe I get with the run game? It's just not quite. And I think too, I don't know how good, like to me, the the run blocking um, average to below average from North Carolina this year. So, you know, look, I think their passing game is elite, elite, elite. Um, But their run game, you know, 
kind of average. Yeah, I mean, I think this is not your your Javante Williams, Michael Carter, uh, you know, two thousand yard back North Carolina Tar Heels that you know, I guess played, I, I guess it was Texas A&M in the Orange Bowl. Uh, but I, I think there are a few, they're definitely a few years removed from that. I think they're kind of the opposite. I think they definitely want to move, they, they want to stretch the ball downfield with Drake May and that arm. And yeah, again, the way that he kind of, you know, assists in the running game as well, because again, he is athletic enough to do it. But, uh, you know, definitely it doesn't feel like they have a Ty Chandler. I think Armarian Hampton is going to end up being a really good running back in this conference. Right. Uh, he he is, you know, he's a true freshman. He's getting a lot of burn from them. He handles uh, some kickoff returns and stuff for them, too. I mean, he's a guy that has a lot of speed. I think Miami uh, last year with the previous staff, uh, they were kind of like tiptoeing around taking a running back or not. And uh, Marion Hampton ended up being one of the guys that they ended up kind of like quietly pursuing uh, there towards the end. So, uh, I, I mean, pretty familiar with Marion Hampton. I think I've talked to him on the phone once or twice. Um, but, yeah, I think he's a good player. And then Caleb Hood is, is the other guy. They got another freshman, uh, George Petaway, who I think is pretty talented, too. Um, but I definitely think they're more pass heavy now than they are maybe even I, I I think the balance is is what's lacking there. And uh, yeah, the run blocking definitely hasn't been up to par. The highest graded run blocker on the team it has a 63.8 run blocking grade on pro football focus. So um, that's not necessarily, you know, fantastic. Yeah. Offensive line, you know, I think their pass protection has been good. Um, so we'll just keep it at that with them. How about the defense. You look at the stats and they are not good. 450 yards per game allowed, 193 rushing yards per game allowed, 257 passing, 33 points per game allowed. Uh, opponents are converting 42.5% on third down, which ranks 97th in the country. They've allowed 28 plays of at least 20 yards, which ranks 116th in the country. 21 of those uh, plays of, of at least 20 yards have come through the air. So it's a group that, you know, has gotten sliced up. They do have a new defensive coordinator this year in Gene Chizik. It is a different system that the players are adjusting to as well. Um, I will say this, like, I don't think it's a group that is lacking talent. Um, uh, there are a lot of highly recruited guys. You watch them. They have the body types you want on defense. They're guys that can run. To me, it looks like guys that are just kind of not trusting the system yet or playing fast within a new system. And so that leads to some like busts in coverage or guys out of their gaps in the run game. So um, just my quick overview of them defensive line kind of gets pushed around to me. The corner play has been shaky safety play has been even worse. I do like their linebacker group. I, you know, Cedric gray, who's their best linebacker. Yeah. That's is that 33? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I think good. he's a good player. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall not, not, good on the season. Now they are coming off their best performance against Virginia tech in which they allowed only 10 points. And the Hokies, I think had like, they had less than 300 total yards in that game. So, but again, it's worth noting Virginia tech's offense might be the worst in the ACC this year. Um, but 
I would assume that performance would give North Carolina confidence on defense. Overall, what's your take on North Carolina's defense from what you've seen from them, Gabby? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the defense is a place where they can, I mean, I think that's somewhere where Miami can kind of, you know, take advantage, right? Like, I think that's somewhere where, again, if this offense were to get rolling, I think that this is a, this is the time to do it. Uh, Notre Dame was not a heavy, you know, high powered offense, uh, right. kind of went into kind of went into Chapel Hill and, and seemingly had their way. Um, yeah, you know, Michael Mayer, the all American tight end played a huge role in that. And I do think that he caused a, a just a mountain of problems for them in terms of kind of over focusing on him, which opened up some other things in the way they kind of used him underneath and, you know, in a variety of different ways to kind of, you know, draw the, the defense. So, so like hyper-focused on him where it opened up other, other things, uh, definitely a chess piece for, for Tommy Reese in that offense. But I mean, that, that Notre Dame offense was just absolutely humming against North Carolina, especially there in the second half, especially I feel like in the second half where they kind of, it became kind of a physical game. They kind of started like playing kind of like, I guess that Notre Dame brand of football. And it felt like they kind of just started really, uh, having their way with that Notre Dame defense. So um, I do think that this is where they're susceptible and yeah, you might, it might have to be one of those things where uh, you know, if you know, Miami's obviously going to have to score a good amount of points, David. And I know that you yeah. wrote earlier this week, what is it? It's like basically mid thirties. You're going to have to score to beat Notre Dame, uh, beat North Carolina. Typically. Um, I think that this defense allows opportunities for Miami to kind of get rolling, especially if they change up some of the things that they've been doing, like we expect them to David. And uh, so I'm excited. I, I do think uh, 33 uh, gray is, is a really good linebacker. He's kind of like the captain of that defense. Noah Taylor uh, is, is someone I think before the yeah. season, we were highlighting uh, transfer guys playing at other programs. Noah Taylor is someone I think that, that we talked about just because, uh, you know, he is kind of a freaky edge rusher. And if he gets going, uh, you know, he could be, a, he can definitely be a, be a problem. Uh, Rucker is another guy that I think, you know, does some really good things for them, but, you know, goal line stuff. I think he really, I think he's someone that's good for them as well. But, you know, I think even on, on, on the back end of that defense, I feel like they're kind of susceptible to, to some things there also. I mean, you saw Notre Dame kind of, you know, definitely create a lot of those explosive plays. I think they had a, they had a few of them in the passing game. And even when they got closer to the red zone, they kind of took their shots into the, into the end zone, which is something David, I know you talked about this week also, and drew some pass interference calls uh, from the North Carolina defensive back. So I do think it's an opportunity to kind of test them and uh, you know, kind of just see where the chips fall. If you, uh, you give your guys a chance to make plays, I think there's going to be plays to be had. Yes. I mean, I think the reason why Miami has a shot to win this game is because potentially North Carolina's defense is not very good. We'll yeah. see if that plays out this week because they showed some signs of playing better uh, last week against Virginia Tech. But if this North Carolina defense is what we saw against Notre Dame, App State, even a little bit Florida A&M, Georgia State, then Miami's going to be able to score with this explosive North Carolina offense. So um, let's take a break. And then on the other side, we'll talk about this game from a Miami perspective. All right, we are back. Gabby, I want to start here um, when talking about Miami, and that's injuries, the injury situations. Um, really, on Wednesday, felt like it was pretty much a lot of good news. Um, Running backs Jalen Knighton and Henry Parrish are apparently good to go, according to Mario Cristobal. Um, 
after dealing with some injuries in the Middle Tennessee State game. That is a big plus for Miami going into this week's game. Also big is cornerback Tyreek Stevenson is good to go. And cornerback Daryl Porter, who was dealing with a shoulder thing he sustained at the end of the Middle Tennessee C State game, is also good to go. Zion Nelson is a game-time decision. To me, that I would just assume that means he's out, but we'll see. Um, and then Elijah Arroyo is out this week. Probably out for the year, um, but we'll let that play out however they want to play that out. Um, I don't know if I'm missing anyone else that's injured, but those were kind of the big names that we learned about on Wednesday. So, Gabby, let's start here with this discussion. You know, Miami's had a bye week to make some tweaks, changes, self-scout, self-evaluate, um, and kind of get things back on track for this ACC schedule. Let's start this discussion here. What is a personnel tweak you'd like to see coming off the bye? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, th I think there's a, I think there's a couple maybe that you could kind of point Let's to. Go. Um, I think one, I think it's something we talked about in the last podcast. I mean, I kind of want to see Daryl Porter, man. I think, uh, you know, on the defensive side, I think, uh, you know, just some guys that can run and kind of cover. Um, I kind of want to see what, uh, Where do you want to see Daryl? I kind of want to see, I don't know. I wouldn't mind seeing him on the outside. I mean, I could see him doing some nickel stuff too, but I think that he can, I think that he can cover man. And, sure. uh, you know, I think that, I think that he's someone that, uh, that again, if he, not, if he's good to go, he's healthy and all that stuff. I want to kind of see him get some burn. Um, I don't know. Did Kevin seal talk about him? I thought Kevin seal talked about him on Wednesday. I mean, on Monday, David, when we talked, when yeah. we had the press conferences, um, I thought he had some good things to say about him. And, uh, you know, I think uh, he's someone that could, that could potentially help them. So I want to see Daryl Porter kind of get a factor into the rotation um, a little bit more. Um, and then maybe I'll just kind of give one on offense and uh, might be Let's stealing go. years, David, but you know, just kind of, I think just less Michael Redding, um, more Frank Ladson, uh, Keyshawn, uh, Keyshawn Smith and just kind of, you know, have those to be your guys. Like those gotta right. be the guys that you kind of go to at receiver on the outside. I think it's obvious that, uh, that those are kind of the weapons that you have, um, you know, the, that best give you the chance to, to make plays downfield and, and push the ball. So those are probably two of the bigger ones that, that, you know, I kind of want to see. I agree with both of them. And yeah, to your point with receiver, you know, through these first four games, and look, I do think we saw Miami realizing Frank Ladson needs to get more looks against Middle Tennessee State, right? That was the starting point. Yeah. Um, but it needs to continue. Through these first four games, Redding leads the team in targets. Now, some of that is because, of course, Restrepo got hurt. Um, but still, you, you don't want that to be the case. Uh, Michael Redding leading the team in targets. I would argue Latson and Keyshawn need more targets than Will Mallory. So um, I would like to see that be the situation moving forward there at receiver. And, you know, like everyone who listens to this knows I'm not like play the freshman guy, but I do want to see more of Wesley Bassane. I want to yeah. see him rotate in more. I'm not advocating for a starting job or anything like that but it's time to get him going and uh, see how he performs with more, with a bigger role. So I would like to see him more worked in at linebacker as well, moving forward. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, one thing about Wesley, I mean, just kind of, I don't know, maybe it's just kind of different. I don't know, but I mean, the, I like the way that Notre Dame used number eight. Uh, I can't remember his, his last name. He has like the long hair, uh, but they, he kind of like, he was kind of watching kind of spying Drake may for a lot of the game too. And I feel like it helped kind of, you know, maybe keep him in line a little bit. I think you need someone that can kind of run with and kind of attack may when he kind of escapes a little bit. Uh, and I think Wesley could be someone that can kind of just keep his eyes on the quarterback and, and, you know, make a play if, uh, if need be. So he can kind of be a, a cleanup man. I'm not saying he does it, I'm not saying to put, throw him out there for four quarters, but I do think he's someone that could, that could rotate in and, and potentially help out with that. If, if that's something that they do decide to do on defense. He's just talented too. Like yeah. it's time to time to make that move in my opinion. So we'll see. Uh, what about like a schematic tweak or two um, that you'd like to see coming off the buy? Yeah. I mean, I think like the, the big one is maybe just kind of, you know, not so much of like the bunch stuff. Um, maybe just kind of open it up a little bit more. Let Tyler Van Dyke kind of just spray it around and, you know, just kind of maybe play more, not saying to mimic the, you know, that spread style of offense, that super wide open spread, but, uh, you know, just kind of give his, just, I don't know. I just cause put the playmakers in positions to make plays and, you know, let Tyler Van Dyke kind of just rip it downfield a little bit. I feel like that's right. when he was at his best, uh, you know, in 2021. And I think you need to start putting him in some of those spots where it's just like, I mean, he said it, he was like, you know, he is meeting with, you know, coach Gaddis and coach Pons trying to figure out what he likes more. And, you know, know if they, if they, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know why that wasn't happening, but I guess that's a different conversation, but, uh, you know, definitely putting him in spots where he can kind of just, you know, spin the ball around a little bit. And maybe it's not exactly what they want to run or intended on running, but, uh, you know, I think you got to put your quarterback in the, in the position to be successful, especially considering the way he struggled um, against middle Tennessee. So I just want to see them just give Tyler Van Dyke more of a chance to kind of just be more of what he naturally is and is more comfortable with. So that's, that's definitely one um, I want to see on offense. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, Tyler's at his best when he's pushing the ball downfield and I get why they, this staff, why Josh Gaddis has resisted that because you know, the wide receiver situation is not ideal. So I get it. But I do think there's something to be said for the threat of a deep passing game. Um, and you look at it. So last year, Tyler Van Dyke attempted a deep ball on 19% of his passing attempts. This year, he's attempted a deep ball on 9% of his passing attempts. That's a huge drop yeah, year over year. Way too low. It doesn't need to be 19, but it needs to be higher than that, the nine. Um, and, you know, I think we saw it a little bit, too, when Jake came in against Middle Tennessee State, providing a spark. You know, Jake kind of has this, he had a little bit of a YOLO element to his game when he came in, and he was just pushing the ball downfield, and it worked in terms of completions, and it worked in terms of picking up defensive pass interference calls, which our first downs too. So um, the threat of a passing game needs to be there. If that threat isn't there, defenses are more than happy to just stack the box against you. And, you know, you can run into a brick wall all day long. Defenses will take that uh, yeah. every game. It's also worth noting too, Gabby, North Carolina, this like the opponent this week, of course, they're not very good at defending the deep shots. You go back and look at their, uh, at how the opponents have done against them throwing the ball deep. 
the quarterbacks they played against have completed 11 of 22 deep shots for 320 yards and seven touchdowns. So, you know, look, I get it. The receivers are what they are. I still think they're good enough to be a downfield threat. And I still think you can't play into a defense's hands and limit your ability to generate explosive plays. Explosive plays are like three-pointers in basketball. The more you attempt them, the more you'll make. Um, Just ask the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> well, they're also, they're also efficient at them. <laughs> but you get what I'm saying. Like you, yeah. have, you have to make that a threat in your offense. So I agree. What about defensively? What do you think? Yeah, defensively. I don't know. I mean, I feel like there, I feel. I mean, obviously, I mean, schematically, I think maybe you kind of play that. I feel like you maybe like more of a bend but don't break style, where it's just like you know you kind of keep everything yeah. in front of you. Obviously, I think the cornerbacks, you know, they kind of got tested in man. I think the report is kind of out on them that if Miami's manning you up, uh, you kind of take those shots. So I think you maybe play a little bit more soft coverage. And, you know, don't have, don't put your cornerbacks in a position where they're going to get beat deep. And, you know, you kind of force an explosive offense like North Carolina to kind of methodically, you know, chug the ball down the field. And that means that they're going to have to run the ball, which they don't do as effectively, um, you know, and then you kind of force them to be, you force Drake may to be super precise, you know, in some of those short to intermediate routes, which, you know, I feel like at times he's kind of struggled with some of those like shorter routes, especially like, you know, towards the sidelines, you know, kind of overshoots them at times. Um, I think he missed a couple against uh, in Notre Dame and, and some others. So I think you kind of want to make North Carolina, you know, just kind of, I don't know, I guess like maybe shrink the field where you're not going to let them kind of go over the top of you. I think that's kind of the yeah. the way to to beat an explosive offense like this and don't just assume that we're going to man up these guys because I do not like that matchup if that's the way that they decide no, to no, go. No. So so be physical, tackle well, um, keep everything in front of you and, uh, you know, make these guys drive. Totally agree. How about a key on each side of the ball? Let's go with offense. What's what's your biggest key on offense going into this week? Yeah, I, I think it's starting fast. I think it's kind of just yeah. getting ro- getting rolling. Um, I I think it's hopefully you know kind of starting off in rhythm. Uh, you know, with it with a plan. Uh, they you need know, confidence. You know, yeah, it's something to kind of spark it up early in the game that it's like, all right, we're. Not not saying that we're back that they're back, but you know they get a little bit of that like well, yeah like you know confidence you know you kind of you kind of pick up some momentum on offense script together you know a really really pretty drive that's going to kind of get everyone's juices flowing and just feeling feeling like you know they can move the ball on this defense. I think that's on Josh Gaddis to get these guys kind of or, or, or you know putting these guys in position to to kind of, you know, just kind of play an efficient style of offense. I also think that there's going to be opportunities uh, to run the ball. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, obviously, I mean, Notre Dame, again, kind of laid down the, laid out the, the kind of the, the, the format, the blueprint of, of beating North Carolina. And, and, you know, they ran the ball heavily with, uh, you know, I feel like Chris Tyree is, is typically, uh, you know, they're, they're better back, but they used uh, number seven is uh, who's a bigger body back uh, to kind of, you know, play that physical brand of football where they even did, you know, they got into some bunch formations and, you know, they lined up Michael Mayer as an H back and kind of moved him around, used him as a blocker. They used two tight end sets and all that stuff. And you, you can do those things, but you need to be able to pass out of it too, which Notre Dame did well. I don't know how well Miami's going to be able to do it, but I think you got to be able to be physical with, uh, you know, running the ball on them and also, you know, kind of spreading it out, kind of keeping that defense thinking on their toes and, 
you know, I think that there is a, I think there is a formula to, to beating this North Carolina team for sure. Yeah. I think you were on point with starting fast, you know, for whatever reason, it's been a trend for Tyler as the starter here that when things aren't going well in the first quarter, it's, it's tough for the team to turn things around. And unfortunately we saw that even against middle Tennessee state. So I think it's in, and I think the last three games, Miami's averaging what seven points at halftime. Uh, just not good enough. If you're going to beat North Carolina, you're going to have to score points. Josh Gaddis, you've had two weeks to devise a script first drive to get points. Let's see what you got. Let's see your fastball in this game. So um, they got to start fast. You got to score points against this North Carolina team. Um, defensively for me, I agree. Like I, I think Miami's going to have to play more zone. I think yeah. with that, the communication in the secondary is going to have to be on point. You know, I think you're going to have to play kind of a matchup zone style of defense in the back seven. And that requires communication. There was a play in the middle Tennessee state game. I think it was to Corey couch who looked like he was passing it off to Tyreek Stevenson. And there was a miscommunication there. Tyreek didn't know, or I don't know. I don't know who busted on the play because I don't know what the assignment was, but that's what it looked like was happening. And it was an easy gimme freebie touchdown against middle Tennessee state and North Carolina. Like if middle Tennessee state is going to do that to you, North Carolina definitely has the personnel to hurt you in that way. So I do think going to more zone looks is the right call for this defense. But when you do that, you have to be on point with your communication and understand what the other players around you, what their role is, and trust them to do their role as you execute your assignment on that given play. What about for you on a de defensive side of things, Gabby? Uh, like in terms of a key to the game? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think a lot of it is, I mean, of course, you know, just kind of keeping everything in front of you, all that type of stuff. I also think it's kind of when you when you get to Drake May is making sure that you're getting him on the ground because you know, like we mentioned earlier, he is a he is evasive. Uh sorry, I'm literally just it's such a bad time for it. Uh he he is evasive. And uh when you like what if you get if when you get your hands on him, when you kind of get into his face, I feel like you can kind of get him into that panic mode a little bit. I think North uh Notre Dame in that second half started getting to him a little bit more. He kind of tried to move, he gets a little bit lax with the ball. He kind of just grips it with that hand. He doesn't really tuck it in. Uh he and that that forced him to fumble. Um, so I do think getting to Drake May, um, obviously he's good under pressure, but it's about getting to him and kind of finishing finishing when you kind of get on top of him. So um, I think if you can make him really uncomfortable, you can put it, you can obviously, you obviously put your defense in a position where, you know, you can get off the field and, you know, kind of let that offense get rolling. What's the matchup you like most from a Miami standpoint in this game? The matchup I like most from a Miami standpoint in this game, I don't really like, I feel like there's, I've kind of like tossed and turns about, the, about this a little bit. Um, I I'll do say, go, go ahead. I like the run game against UNC's run defense. I think that run defense is soft. It's been soft going back to last year. You look at them, they're, they're very light up front in terms of just how they play. They don't play with much physicality. Uh, the back seven is consistently in the wrong gaps. 
Um, and you look at the games that North Carolina's lost dating back to last year, the leading rusher has averaged 110 yards and one touchdown. Um, I don't think Miami's offensive line is as good as Notre Dame's offensive line from a talent perspective, but Notre Dame's offensive line flat out whipped North Carolina on the line of scrimmage in the run game. Uh, and that's a big reason why North Carolina, or sorry, Notre Dame won that game uh, pretty comfortably. So, you know, I do think, of course, we know Mario Cristobal wants to have that physical run game. If they come out and run the ball like they did against Texas A&M, uh, I like Miami's chances. Yeah, no, I, I think that the run game is definitely something that they can. I feel like we just kind of exact. I mean, it's just hard because I feel like I've kind of bounced between like who they were against Texas A&M and then who they were against Middle Tennessee State. And I hope that they're more of what they were against Texas A&M, because if that is who they are up front, I mean, I do think that they can, you know, play. I, I do think that they could have the advantage and almost every game left on the schedule. I think Clemson's probably the one where I'll just be like, all right, yeah, you know, Clemson's defensive line is kind of ridiculous, but I mean, I thought it was a really impressive performance there, but and I thought they took a, a clear step back against um, middle Tennessee state in, in that way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see the the running big game being it. And I, honestly, like, again, I, I guess there's no real proof for this, but like, I mean, I feel like I'm kind of giving the offense the benefit of the doubt and, uh, you know, hoping that Josh Gaddis uh, kind of comes out with a, with a game plan that is favorable for these guys. And I do think if they can kind of, you know, string together a couple, you know, chunk plays and they can kind of get into not a super high up tempo thing, but, you know, I feel like North Carolina's defense does struggle to communicate on that uh, uh, at times. And I feel like if they do kind of start stringing together some plays where they're kind of moving the sticks, I do believe that, you know, Miami's offense can kind of catch them napping at times and kind of take advantage. So I do, I don't know, man, I, I have a, I have an inkling for an offensive uh, renaissance of, of sorts that where they're just going to kind of figure it out. So I'm hoping that that's going to be a strength for them in this game. Who's the guy that needs to step up for Miami this week? I mean, it's, it's Tyler Van Dyke. I mean, I think that's, again, that's kind of like the easy, like kind of gimme answer, but it, it it's, yeah. it, it's the quarterback. I mean, it, it's, it's Tyler Van Dyke. It's uh it's, I think it's, I mean, it's Josh Gattis. I think it's, I think it's a lot of those guys. Uh, I mean, I think you can point to re the receivers too, but I think this is a Tyler Van Dyke game. I think if Tyler Van Dyke comes out and gives you 2021, you know, peak Tyler Van Dyke performance to 300 yards, three touchdown type of game. I, I think Miami's walking out of hard rock stadium with a win on Saturday. And um, you know, so that that's who I'm looking at that needs to step up. And, uh, you know, I think it's, I think this is a like a massive, massive Tyler Van Dyke game. How confident are you that he can pull his way out of what he's been producing like this year so far? I don't know, man. I mean, I feel, I feel like there's, I mean, I think the mental thing is probably going to be the biggest block. Like I'm not, I, I think that, you know, he, the, the talent's in there, we've seen it, you know, I do think with these two weeks, I think you have a chance to kind of just reset. And I'm hoping for like, I'm hoping that that reset, that kind of restructuring, the kind of looking in the mirror by the coaching staff just kind of puts everyone back on the same page. And, you know, I'm not like overly, I'm not like, oh yeah, this is definitely happening. Like lock it up. Miami's offense is going to kind of, kind of be back against North Carolina, but I do expect to see, um, I do expect to see some, like, I do expect to see a bounce back performance. And I do think it's going to be better than what we've seen from him, 
uh, this year. I think we're going to kind of look, I'm hoping that we're going to look back towards this first portion of the year. And it's going to kind of be, you know, just like that adjust, like, you know, kind of an uncomfortable adjustment period. But I think ultimately he ends up being okay. I think that's my hope. I think maybe I'm being cautiously optimistic, but I, I am fairly confident that Tyler Van Dyke, you know, performs closer to what he's we've seen him perform like in the past rather than what he we've kind of seen from him in these past few weeks. What percent chance would you say we see Jake Garcia against North Carolina? I'm going to I'll put it at like a I, I'm going to go with like a 20 percent chance. I'd probably go 10. But yeah, okay. I mean, I think things would have to go be, really bad. Yeah, I think if, if Miami's down a couple scores and it's the first half of the game and booze. Yeah. All that stuff. I think it could, I think it could happen, but that's why, you know, we mentioned starting fast and how important it is to get rolling. Cause I do think if they string together a couple good drives in the first half where they're able to put some points on the board and the defense is kind of, you know, in position to, I mean, defense makes a couple plays. I do think that this is a game that Miami can, can really win. And I think Tyler Van Dyke can strive in and, you know, have that game that he kind of, I feel like needs to have, like he needs to have one of these games where he's just like, he can kind of, you know, get that, get that a uh, monkey off his back or, you know, that weight off his shoulder, however, whatever, whatever you want to call it. And I think that this is, uh, I think this it's time, man. I mean, you had a bye week to get ready for it. Um, you know, you kind of have a, a top notch coaching staff in terms of, you know, what they paid for you, these guys got to get Tyler Van Dyke ready. And uh, Tyler Van Dyke, again, at one point was considered a potential first round arm. He's not right now, uh, but you know, it's in, it's definitely in there. We've seen it. And uh, you, I, I think you just got to give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation and give this staff the benefit of the doubt that they're going to work. They're going to work him out of it and work themselves out of it, coach their way out of it. So um, that's kind of where my head's at right now. Potential player of the game. Who are you highlighting? I'm going to go with your boy, Frank Ladson. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I You're feel a believer like now. I, I, I wasn't, but I mean, I've, you know, you know, kind of fielded It'd a couple of con- time if he is the player of the game. Yeah, no, I feel like, you know, just kind of fielding some, you know, some of the contacts around that. I, I think people around the program feel like, you know, that middle Tennessee state game as weird as it sounds was a big, big confidence game for him. Um, you know, I think they need, I think he kind of needed one of those performances. I think Josh Gaddis and, uh, some of those guys around the offense kind of realized like, this is the, this is one of those mouths we need to feed because, you know, he's a guy that can get it going for us on offense. And again, uh, I think Andrew Ivins, I mean, he, he texted us personally. I know he said it on his preps to pros, uh, show also Miami doesn't have a receiver on their roster who has a hundred yard game against a power five opponent, which is just an absolutely absurd uh, stat the fact that Miami being Miami doesn't have a pass catcher who's gone for over 100 yards against power five team I mean I, I I couldn't believe it but I do think that Frank Ladson uh I I think he's he puts an end to that I mean I'm ho- I, I'm hoping he puts an end to that and he kind of becomes the guy in this game where he kind of erupts I'm gonna go Henry Parrish okay get the run game going 100 yards North Carolina's run defense is soft. Um, Over-unders, just some numbers I pulled out of my butt. Tyler Van Dyke, over-under, 275 passing yards. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go I'm gonna go under. I know I've kind of talked them up. It kind of feels like it contradicts everything I've been talking about. I'm going to go <laughs> under. And, um, you know, I do think he can kind of be in that range. But, you know, I do like what you mentioned, David. I think the running game can be really, 
could be really helpful. I'm, I'm, I'm crossing my fingers, hoping for an over there, but I might take the under right now just because of what we've seen from him through the first four weeks still had, if I was putting my real life money on it, I think the over would probably be the safer bet there. I'll take the over. Okay. I love it. Henry Parrish, a hundred yards. I, I might go over. I, I think you're, you're, you're selling me on the, on the North Carolina rushing defense thing. So I might go, I might go Henry Parrish there. I'll take the over. Over under two and a half sacks for Miami's defense. Oh man. I'm going to go, you know what? Let's do it, bro. Let, let, let's, I'm going to go over. I think that they do. I think they, they get Drake may on the ground three times, three times. Yeah. Notre Dame had three sacks. Um, I will say over. Let's do it. Barely. Barely. That's fine. Betting line talk. So last I looked this morning, uh, Thursday morning, Miami was a three and a half point favorite. I don't like this line at all. No, it stinks to me. Um, but what do you think? What are you taking? <laughs> it's re- it's really confusing because obviously I think I feel like oh, Las Vegas is is just like saying, "Hey, everyone, please, please, please take North Carolina." Like this oh, is yeah. a re- this is a ridiculous line. It's free money. There's no way Miami is winning by field goal. Did you see what they looked like against Middle Tennessee State? Did you see how North Carolina looked? They got like last week against Virginia Tech when they won by 31. Like this is this line yep. screams take North Carolina. And that's like, I, I don't know, man. Like I'm not saying like, I'm not like a conspiracy theorist and saying Vegas like no stuff or whatever, but Vegas kind of no stuff, right? Like I feel like these sure. this, this, this line is not an accident. I thought it was absolutely absurd when, uh, BYU went up to Oregon earlier this year. Like I think it was a week or two after Oregon uh, got just destroyed by Georgia and just did not really look good in the process. BYU had looked good, goes to Oregon, I think as a higher ranked team. And Oregon was like a, again, it was like a four and a half point favorite. And I was just like, I would have bet my house or well, my apartment that, or that, that BYU would have won that game. And Oregon just kind of came out and, you know, I feel like we're cleanly, I don't know, man. I, I, I might, I'm, it's a long winded way of saying I might take Miami here because I think the line is weird. And um, I do think that there's something to it. And I do think that, you know, obviously Mario Cristobal five and zero coming off a bye. Um, I do think that again, this is a staff that I think can make those adjustments. Can I see North Carolina winning, winning this game outright? Absolutely. Um, but I do think that there's something to the importance, the sense of urgency around the program that, I'm not saying that this is a must-win game, but it kind of feels like a must-win game for Miami and Mario Cristobal in year one. So I do think that Miami comes out on top. I'll take that three-and-a-half line. See, for the betting line, I that hook, I don't like that half. Yeah, so the half stuff. I, I think I'll take North Carolina. Okay. Um, what about the over-under 65-and-a-half? Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a – I feel like that's kind of a high one, too. I mean, I, I, I'll take, I'll probably take the under. I feel like that's a little high. I feel like, I feel like they teased us with a high over last year too. And what the score finished like 28 to 25. And, you know, so I, I feel like year. two years, no, ago. two like years ago, years, three years ago, the 28, 25, wasn't, wasn't it 28, 25 last year? Last year was 45, 42. Oh crap. Never mind. All right. Give me the over. Yeah, what was the year that it was 28-25? 2019. That was oh, the first. The 
Sam Howe game. Okay. Well, give me the over then. That's that's too high scoring for me. Yeah, I'll take the over. I think I like the over too. I think I think North Carolina's offense is going to have a day. Yeah. And I think Miami's offense can potentially have a day because North Carolina's defense is not very good. Predictions. I have no idea. Yeah. What, what to I say. I don't, I don't I don't know like a score to throw out there, but I don't know. I mean, I I do think I do think Miami's going to win this game and you know, I feel like I've kind of shot it straight. I picked them to lose against Texas A&M. I thought they were going to lose that game. Um I, I do think Miami bounces back. I think there's just too much at stake. Um, I, I think that there is just a lot. I think a lot of people inside the program have kind of looked in the mirror and kind of realized what they can do differently. And I do think that they're going to, I really do believe that they're like, you know, actively working to just figure out what they can do. I think that they've had to self-evaluate or evaluate this roster maybe a little bit more than they thought. Now that games have been getting played, obviously that's not ideal, but you learn a lot about your roster, uh, you know, when the lights are on on Saturday nights and in the fall. So I do think that they've had a chance to study this roster, get to know this roster a little bit more. And I think that they're going to make some of those adjustments needed uh, just to find some more success. So I don't know exactly what the score is. I mean, if we're taking the over, um, I mean, it would probably have to be some sort of like offensive explosion. I mean, I'll probably go, I don't know, 38, 35, uh, Miami. All right. I'm gonna, so with this, I mean, I'm not very confident in predicting either way, win or loss for Miami in this game. My head is saying pick North Carolina because new rule. If you get soundly beat by middle Tennessee state, I can't pick you to beat the power five opponent in the next yeah. game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just hard for me to do that. But my heart is saying, pick Miami. You know, as you mentioned, Mario Cristobal is 5-0 and coming off a bye during his time at Oregon. I do believe the staff is a good coaching staff. Uh, I do think they can find some answers coming off a bye week. Um, I also think the players, I think the Middle Tennessee State game shook them up in a good way. Um, I also wonder too, you know, if, if maybe my hesitancy here is putting too much into what is admittedly a bad middle Tennessee state result, you know, like college football nowadays is kind of just each week is its own entity. You know what I mean? We saw this with Notre Dame losing to Marshall 26 to 21. They bounced back. They beat Cal in North Carolina, Texas A&M lost to app state. They bounce back and beat Miami and Arkansas their next two games. Virginia Tech lost to Old Dominion. They turn around and beat Boston College the next week. So I don't know if I can necessarily just base my prediction solely off how they looked against Middle Tennessee State. And for that reason, we have the same exact score prediction. Miami 38, North Carolina 35. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that this is big week for Miami Hurricanes football. Um, a big week of recruiting. A lot of big names are going to be in the stands. I mean, uh, uh, Miami bouncing back, turning the page here um, at Hard Rock Stadium. 
would be a, I think it'd be a really, really big deal. I think it'd be a huge deal for, for them. And, uh, you know, their ability to kind of, you know, grind their way out of adversity and, uh, you know, kind of, you know, turn over a new leaf. So hoping for a win on Saturday and, uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And if they can pull out a win, it sets things up nicely for the rest of the season. So maybe my prediction is admittedly a little hopeful and optimistic. Um, But I do think this game is winnable. Uh, But I also think there is, like North Carolina's offense does scare me. So uh, we will see what adjustments are made coming off this bye week. And appreciate everyone for listening. Uh, Again, Miami taking on North Carolina, four o'clock Saturday, ESPN2 television. If you live in South Florida, come out to the game. This is a big one. Yeah. You'll get to watch a future first-round pick quarterback on the other sideline. Maybe a future first-round pick quarterback in Tyler Van Dyke if he can pull his way out of his funk. Um, I think it could be a really fun game. So come out, support the Hurricanes. Until next time, take care. <laughs>